In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who has come in order to give us a sacrifice that enables us to consider what it means to have eternal life. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, to start things off this morning, I asked you uh, how you would like to die. And uh, maybe to that, you, you kind of said, well, he, here's what I would like, Pastor Jay. I, w- I would like to not. Um, uh, that, that, w- that would be great if, if I could just kind of choose that option, you know, yeah, that, that sort of loophole option um, uh, that uh, sort, sort of akin to, you know, when, when you get the, the three wishes from the genie and you, you get to, uh, you know, you, you're the person who says, well, I'm going to wish for more wishes. And, um, you know, the genie then tells you that's not how this works. And, and sure enough, that, that's uh, what I have to tell you. You know, if, if you're like, well, I'd, I'd like to not die. Well, that's not how this works. Um, uh, th- there's, there's not a whole lot of opportunity for you to be in that category unless, uh, unless Jesus comes back uh, and, and he you know, comes into glory and, and we are, are automatically brought to the throne room of Christ without having to die. You know, the, you're holding out for that hope. Um, uh, and so you know, then, then you don't have to die if that's the case. But if you are, you know, kind of like, well, that's, you know, maybe a 50-50 at best. Um, uh, may, maybe you've thought about this a little bit. Maybe you have thought about how you want to die. Uh, may, maybe you've, you've thought, oh, well, you know, I'd kind of like to go in my sleep. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to just sort of, you know, go to sleep and then, well, not wake up and, and wake up in heaven. That would be a good way to go, Right. Uh, and, and so you go, okay, well, that would be a decent way. Or maybe, you know, maybe you've heard, like I have, that drowning is actually a really great way to go. Now, um, uh, to me, this doesn't sound like a great way to go, but uh, I've heard, and, and Conrad, our submar- submariner back there, um, who, who served in the, the submarine service, is like, no way, buddy. Um, but, but maybe you've heard, you know, if you start to drown, that you have this sort of overwhelming uh, feeling of peace that, that goes throughout your body. I, I, you know, I, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know how true it is. I've heard it. Maybe you have too. Um, my answer to this for the longest time, actually I dealt with a, an 80s movie called Dangerous Liaison. Um, uh, it, it was John Malkovich at, at his best. And I, I remember watching that movie and at the end of it, there's kind of this big sword fight. Uh, and yeah, for the longest time I said, well, that's the way that I want to go. Yeah, you know, I want to go out in a sword fight. And, and so, you know, it, it just seemed like it was a romantic way to go. It, it was a way that, you know, it sort of, you had those last gasping breath moments of, you know, you know the last thing that you had to say. And, and as, you know, your, 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 your shirt was pooling with, with red, you, know, you could find, you could get out just that last one important thing. And, and that always appealed to me a, a, a little bit. Um, uh, now, I'm not sure. I, I kind of also hope that I, I die an older age, so you know, um, you know, at the end of, uh, of my life, maybe we need to get one of the nurses at the assisted living facility to, you know, stab me. But um, uh, there, there's that, or, or maybe you have another way that you want to go. Maybe you have a way that, that you want to go that you're like, oh, that would be the way that I would go if I had the choice. 
Or, or maybe this entire conversation has made you really anxious and on edge. Because you don't want to go. And we've been dealing with a year now of that possibility. In fact, that reality of death has been magnified in our lives in a way that is, well, kind of unprecedented. In fact, just this past week, we, we celebrated, celebrated the anniversary of the, the, the virus outbreak in, in our country here. And, and we, we started to think through, okay, what has it meant to live in a year of considering that there, there's a virus out there that, that is killing people, that has killed you know, half a million people? And, um, and, and what, what does that mean? And, and what does that say about the other ways that people die? And you know, how, how many people die in those ways? And you know, all of a sudden, our understanding, our awareness of death is probably higher than what it was this time last year. Our awareness and our understanding of death was there a year ago, but maybe not in the same way, and maybe not in the sort of acute sense that we're dealing with it right now. As we continue to see things on the news about how people die in this way now, as opposed to all of the other ways that people were dying before this virus outbreak, and this is something new, this is something strange, and this is something in which we all feel probably a little bit more vulnerable than what, where we were this time last year. And so into that moment, into that moment steps these verses. Into that moment steps these verses that we have been assigned by you know, the heavenly lect- lectionary committee. Um, uh, which, by the way, is not a heavenly electionary committee. It's a bunch of old white guys who decided, hey, this, these are the readings that the church is going to go through you know, year after year and, and you know, the three-year cycle and all of that fun stuff. But I still think that all of these readings, you know, all of these readings are from the Bible and all of these readings have the, the sense to them of these are things that are being handed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit that these readings are something that the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to think about this. I want these to be the things that are on your hearts and on your minds. I want these things that are read in our midst as our, as our community gathers around the Holy Spirit and around the Word and around what he's doing. These are the things that God wants us to be grappling and so the first thing that we get out of that is this reading from Numbers. And this reading from Numbers that just sounds like, well, it sounds like every time that I go out to dinner with my family. Um, you know, where, where, you know, I don't like chicken nuggets all of a sudden. And then, you know, I am at that point where I'm like, if I could call down fiery serpents, I would right now. And those of you that are parents are laughing and everybody else is like, what, Pastor Jay is really mean. 
But, but there's this moment, right? This moment where the children of Israel are misbehaving. They're grumbling. They're complaining. They're, they're like, oh, you know, life is not good. Life kind of isn't fun. You know, we, we don't have the right kind of food. And we've been out in the desert for a long time. And they're actually coming off of a really big sort of win against um, a, a, another king. And so they're, they're kind of feeling like they deserve something. And so into that, they're, they're kind of, you know, complaining and arguing. And, and God just says, I've had it. Boom. Fiery snakes. And into, the, the, into that moment, the people then go, oh, we were kidding. Life is pretty good, actually. Um, we would like life back. Thank you. No more snakes, please. And so into that, God does something interesting. God says, Moses, have them make a snake. Put it up on a pole, and whenever they look at it, they'll be healed. That's an interesting moment, because that moment then becomes something that sticks in the mind of Israel throughout. That, that there is, is kind of this, this time of God saying, yes, you do deserve punishment. You, you deserve what you get. You deserve to have this fiery snake come into your camp and to bite you. And in fact, they will bite you. And you won't have any choice about that. But here's what you do have a choice in. Your choice is whether you look up at the snake on the stick or not. And that is an interesting moment. That moment of will you look up or will you refuse to look up and therefore refuse and look downward your entire time, that's an interesting moment for Israel. And that moment then gets multiplied and reversed and mirror imaged in what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. So we're jumping into this section of John, John 3 uh, that we all know because it's the gospel in the nutshell, right? Uh, th- this moment, for God so loved the world that he, and most of you could probably say, okay, I know that how the rest of that goes, at least for the next verse or maybe even the, the second verse. Um, uh, maybe you can do John three seventeen as well. And, and, and so we, we kind of know, okay, that's what that's all about. But it, what Jesus is doing there is he's explaining to Nicodemus, he's explaining to Nicodemus that the Son of Man is the snake on the stick. That he is the answer to death. He is the answer to the thing that is happening to everybody in the camp. And so it's not like there were good people and bad people in the camp with Moses. It's not like there were people that were like, oh, well, you know, I'm kind of better. And so the snake's not going to bite me. So I don't need to look at the, at the snake. No, there is this, this moment where you go, okay, everybody in the camp, snakes don't really care if you're good or bad. Everybody in the camp is at some level at risk of death. Snakes just do what snakes do. And Jesus is saying everybody in Israel is the same way. Everybody in Israel is at risk of death because death does what death does. Because we've all 
fallen into sin. We are all, as Paul says, dead in our trespasses and sins. It's like we've already been bitten by the snake, folks. And so sometimes I think we can get it into our heads that, well, maybe we won't die. Maybe we'll get into this moment where we can just be good enough that God will just say, you know what, everybody else dies, but that guy, that guy, I like him. He does good stuff. That girl, I like her. She's really nice. And, And that then person doesn't get to die. Yeah, yeah th- that person gets to you know somehow be like Enoch or be like Elijah or be like somebody else who's just kind of carried up into heaven. And you go, well, uh, I I don't think that's that's you at least. You know, it may, maybe there's somebody else, but chances are that it's not you because we've all fallen into sin. We all deserve death. And we can't escape it. And so what we have to do instead of escaping it is we have to figure out how we make peace with it. So how do we make peace with death? Well, that's tough. But the one way that we can make peace with death is by making peace with our hope. Because if anything that the fear of death does in us, it is that it draws our eyes upward. When we get afraid of death, it draws our eyes to the heavens. Even if you're not a person who considers yourself very religious right now, even if you're a person who feels like, hey, my faith is maybe on the rocks, even if you're a person who you're like, I'm not quite sure about all of this stuff uh, in, in total, but if you got told tomorrow that you had cancer, if you got told tomorrow that you had a really bad case of COVID, if you got told tomorrow that there was something else that was going to kill you, maybe somebody has a hit out on you, You would look up and you'd see the snake on the stick. You know, it's interesting in, in that, that numbers verse that one of the textual variants uh, there is, is that the snake on the stick was, um, uh, was not made, but that it was caught. And there's this moment where you go, oh, okay, well, may, maybe what the, the children of Israel were looking at, e- even if it was made, even if they sort of bronzed it, maybe what they did was they actually took a snake and you know, kind of dipped it and said, okay, put it up on a stick. And, and in that moment, we see e- Jesus even more clearly because in Jesus, what we see is we see one of us dead. On a stick. And what we are able to do then is we're able to look up. But even more than that, what we're able to see in there is that that's the law. 
that the snake is the law of God, the law that accuses us, the law that tells us that we're not good enough, the law that tells us that we deserve death. And that law is killed and put up on a cross for us to look to and to know that in seeing that cross we see salvation we see the end of the law we see the end of our death we see the end of what we should deserve and the beginning of a life rescued from death we see a moment in which we begin to understand what Paul is saying when he says that we are the workmanship of Christ You know what Christ doesn't make? Christ doesn't make temporary things. God doesn't make temporary things. God made a world that he did not intend to be temporary. He intended for it to last forever. It was our sins that made life temporary. And so what God is telling us is that his workmanship does not expire. His workmanship in you does not expire. And that it will live on. If you only refuse the rejection of looking down at your shoes instead of looking up to the cross. And so may you this week go about your life embracing your fear a righteous fear, a good fear of the death that you deserve because of your sins. But all the more may you embrace the hope that you have in the Son of God lifted up to end the law for you and to end what you deserve to give you eternal life. Amen.